Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the Lions.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And it's Monday with just five games here in the NBA tonight for us to choose from. In this one, we're taking a look at Philly as they are headed down the stretch against Chicago here at home. They are going to play a back-to-back as well, one in Chicago after this. Also have another game video up and our player props, so make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where you can check out all the great written content we have going up there right now about the NBA and more. Obviously, March Madness in full swing. We've also got the odds finder tool on there. You can make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from all the bets, uh, the U.S. sports books, giving you guys bets this season in the NBA. Nate, let's get into this little five-game slate real quick and then jump into our game with the Sixers and the Bulls. Six games, but we got a tank, a tank matchup here in the first one. Pacers minus one and a half at Charlotte. Bulls are plus eight at Philly. Totals at 225 here. Wolves are plus eight at Knicks. They're going to be without Anthony Edwards for a while. And, of course, all their big men. Questionable once again. Uh, the Warriors trying to snap that lo- losing streak on the road are minus 10 at Houston. Houston continues to upset people, but they're on a back-to-back. Dallas uh, plus two in Memphis. Everybody important is questionable on both sides in that game. And the Kings are minus five at the Jazz. Totals around 240. It's been fluctuating. We will talk about that game in a separate episode. But yeah, Bulls Sixers right now. The Bulls are are getting hot at the right time. They are who we maybe thought they would be at the beginning of the season, which is to say like a 9-10 in the East and, and firmly in place there now that they've won four of their last five. Doing it with defense, but they've had some some surprising uh, shootouts. I mean, mainly with, with the Wolves, that double OT game on Friday that they pulled out and then they turn around on a back-to-back and still beat Miami. Uh, but, I mean, the Sixers are far more impressive recently, in my opinion, just not playing around. Won three straight road games by nine-plus before coming home here. Uh, they won eight straight, and six of those were on the road. So having no problems with those home road splits we've seen in the past few years here. Um, and then when they come home, it's a lot more of a slow down, grind out game, which makes me steer away from the over here. I, I actually kind of like under, even though these teams have spiked lately in terms of their scoring. I mean, you look at Philly, they're scoring 126 in this eight game win streak, but 116 in the two at home playing at a 96 pace in the win streak, a 92 pace in the two at home, hitting three fewer threes at a 6% worse clip as well. Uh, You look at their home since the All-Star break, four or five have gone under. Games have averaged just 214. They're scoring 109. Elite defense, especially down the stretch here. They're number one in net rating and number two in defensive rating in clutch games since the All-Star break. That's pretty vital here. I mean, Bulls are also nothing to sneeze at. I mean, they they're, have a great defensive rating for the entire game. They're ninth in the clutch. They have a pretty slow pace in the clutch as well. Uh, but the one thing that Philly continues to give up is transition points, as we know. 25th in, in that span at, at home here. Limiting, however, assists, threes, paint points, and second chance points. Top 10 in all of those departments and playing at a very slow pace, as I mentioned. They do get to the free throw line. That's how their points are derived usually with Embiid leading the way here. Um, but with, as always, you got to look at his numbers against a specific team. And they're impressive against Chicago, but not 
you know, the the kind of dominant, like, I can book 40 points for a bead here. His prop is at 33 and a half. It's high per usual. He averages just under 32 uh, with a 114 offensive rating. His last four against Chicago and Vooch. Only nine free throw attempts per game, which is way down for him, which makes me steer away from the over as well. Because if you're going to play this slow, you need a lot of free throws from both sides. And Chicago... 20 free throw attempts in this five game heater. That's uh, good for like 23rd in the league. So I think there's going to be a lot of half court basketball here, slowed down, down the stretch. I do kind of lean under. And I, of course, like Philly here. So I think if you don't like the minus eight here, if you think they might win somewhere in the four to eight range, then tease it down and tease the under up to 229. Yeah, you can you can get away with some teasers in this one. Uh, I'm definitely not going to uh, chide you for that. But I, 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 the reason I would just I started to lean over, uh, and the reason I just think things started to tell me a bit of an over um, at two twenty four and a half, two twenty five, depending on what you're finding this total at, um, is the sort of turnaround from the difference between March and February for Chicago, and not a huge turnaround, but even an uptick in offense for Philly since March started as well. I mean, Philly's unreal right now we know i mean if the fact that they're you know slated to win the atlantic division right now is absolutely insane compared to where they were before um they just started playing like gangbusters and nine and one since march started but you know about tops in the league obviously um and and the difference here is some of the over stuff right they're seven and three to the over that includes a game against miami um which we always throw out the window when you talk about totals and then february you know they went four and seven to the over in the 11 games they played in that month and they're scoring uh, 125 points a game this month. Last month, they were dropping 110, and, and the, the, the revitalization of the offense kind of happened, um, uh, you know, within the, the midst of the, the all-star break transition in, in a way. So that, you know, that's a big part of that in February. But then um, the three-pointers are huge, three more this this month um, in these 10 games than they, than they had in the 11 in February. Um, and they are became a good rebounding team, as we thought they should be the const- for the entire season. They are limiting opponent rebounds uh, at the, to, to the tune of the number one in the league right now in March they're still good and they they've been good in that for the last couple months but it, it doesn't really matter to Chicago and how they want to score that's not how they score you can limit your the rebounds against them all you want they're just a good defensive rebounding team it's not like they necessarily crash the offensive glass um and you know this month they are allowing six more points a game than they they allowed in February um allowing a few more three-pointers which is huge I know Chicago doesn't make three-pointers but what I'm about to talk about is Chicago's uptick in offense as well this month in March. And, and it was so stark because these are two of the best teams on offense in the league right now uh, in the month of March in terms of their offensive ratings at uh, 126 for, uh, for for Philly uh, and up to about 120 for the Bulls who are dropping 118 points a game this month as well. They're five and three to the over. The three unders, I did want to mention one of them is Miami, so I get to throw that one out. Sacramento, they scored 231, but it's an under because it was sack. And so that, that total was outlandishly high. We called under on that one. Um, and then at Denver, which I don't know what you want to do with that, because that's Denver's weirdest loss of the season, um, despite all the other weird losses that they've had. It, it was at home and it was with Joker and it was the first time they lost at home all season with him. So it was just like a pretty uh, you know oddity. And it was the beginning of their their win streak as well when they started playing well and they dropped 125 in that game. Um, and Denver just didn't come along for the ride. So another weird one where I don't think you expect Philly to, to get locked up on offense by Chicago the way Denver did in that one. Um, and then, you know, in terms of their, their defense, it was amazing. Right. In February, they 
They allowed 103 points per game um, while dropping only 107, which was third fewest. But like I said, they're up to 118 points a game. They're up to allowing 116 a game. So their games have been averaging 234 in this month right now. Um, and then in, in three pointers, that's what I was talking about with Philly. Like they've haven't they've been good for most of the season at defending the three, um, which will happen when you get a guy like PJ Tucker coming to your squad and DeAnthony Melton at the same time. Um, but you know they, they've actually regressed a bit here and there against a three pointer, and they've allowed 12 so far a game in March, uh, which is you know middle of the pack, bottom half of the league. But they were uh, you know excuse me they were making 12 a month this month um, for for Chicago once once again actually top half of the league, but they were only making eight. Uh, last month is really what I'm talking about Chicago's makes here, right? And so dead last, obviously, when they were only making eight a game in the month of February. So if that stays up a bit more, um, you know, just doing the math real quick, they're making four more threes a game this month, um, which means they're scoring 13 points per game more this month than they were last month on pretty much the same field goal percentage because they're just making a few more threes. If they put a few more threes in, they're still shooting about 50% from the field, which is good for second best in the league right now behind only Philly who's shooting like 52% from the field because they're insane, which is another reason they're dropping 125 is Philly without getting to the free throw line quite as much. I mean, they're still getting their 27 times a game, which is top five this month. But last month it was up to like 29. They just weren't hitting threes. They weren't hitting other shots. And now Philly's, you know, they're, they're going off as well on offense in a pretty unprecedented way. Um, and when these teams have played, I know that they both play at a really slow pace, but with Embiid in that first one, they just, not, neither of them could shoot. They, they had awful offensive ratings, both of them. That's why it went to 223, um, which is still close to this match, and that had Embiid in it. So it's not like without Embiid, they're playing faster. They're actually played faster in the game that they had Joel this game. So I, I think this is a good opportunity to, to get a little bit of value. I know 224 and a half in years past might not seem like a super low total in the NBA, but this year, anything under 230 uh, is a little bit more ripe for over, in my opinion. I think this is one of those situations. It's all these numbers in March, but like, what are this? Who are they playing? And I mean, if you're just talking about points per game and not offensive rating, I mean, yeah, they have a double overtime game in there. They played at Detroit and at Houston, where their road games, other than that Denver game, which you throw out, <clears throat> the the Bulls also play the Pacers, which is an astronomical total. And they've been shut down by basically every other good defense they faced prior to that. I mean, early month Suns, and then you go into late February, even after the break, though, shut down by the Raptors, held in check by the Wiz, uh, of course, the Bucks, and then they were awful before the break. So, I mean, yeah, I do think this team is turning a corner. I do think I would lean plus eight more than minus eight, as we always talk about with Philly. They tend to just you know, scrape by, uh, especially when it's this kind of like back-to-back situation with the same team. They're just going to try to get the win however they can. I don't think they're going to be able to put them away early, but I I just see the way these teams play at such a slow pace. If there's not a lot of free throws, then there's not going to be a lot of scoring. The last matchup, it was a complete spike game without Embiid. Vooch triple-double. He has struggled against Embiid otherwise. Uh, Levine 11 for 13 from three. And, and while he's hot lately, I mean, Philly, like you said, has defended the three-point line really well, and I think they'll do a pretty good job. The one thing I do like is is DeRozan to get 24 points here. If it is a slower half-court game, I think he'll continue his hot streak here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, we can we can disagree. You guys can follow whoever you want on this total, or uh, you could you can tease it in your in your Philly direction. But it, it's an interesting uh, spot here on a Monday night for a gentleman's bet. Absolutely. A little gentleman's bet, as you said. I, I was actually thinking about Levine. You, you talk about the 41 he dropped. 
I don't think it's that much of an anomaly. That is one of the areas on the floor that Philly is a bit weaker because they either have uh, James Harden or Tyrese Maxey guarding the shooting guard on the other team, which is going to forever be a problem. Uh, Zach Levine went off for those 41. I mean, in his last four versus the uh, the, the 76ers, we're talking about 29 a game, um, including like a 20-point game earlier in the season when he was still kind of not right before he got hurt a little bit uh, and then came back and has been on a tear. I mean, even just in his last four, Zach Levine up to 30 a game. Uh, once again, do with that what you will, because playing against Houston, Sacramento, and Minnesota is a lot easier uh, than playing against some of the other teams Zach, that the Bulls have gone up against, obviously, in that division where they're playing a, a lot of really good defenses. But I, this is just a situation where I think Philly, despite how well they play on defense, I think you can get points in the mid-range. I think you get points from the perimeter. Um, and I don't think that Embiid will continue to, to be able to be stopped. So th- there's plenty of points for him to have, be had as well. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this one goes. And uh, we'll talk about some bragging rights tomorrow. But then we got Kings minus five at the Jazz open closer to minus seven yeah the total after opening at 239 went down and then got quickly bet back up to about 241 definitely lean over here in this spot I mean but you have to keep an eye on Laurie Markin and of course um it's it's the biggest injury news to watch in this game for sure questionable with back soreness uh, I mean, the, the Jazz did play on Saturday after four or five days off and beat the Celtics by a little bit so I don't know if he's overworked at this point. If they are pushing for a playing spot still, he should be out there. Uh, for what it's worth, I mean, they have still gone over in three of their last four and covered in four of their last five without marketing. But they're also missing Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, et cetera. You know, it's it's a Jazz team that we talked about being pretty thin offensively, and then they just go ahead and shove it down your throat in March here, uh, mostly with, with marketing leading the way, but... You know, other guys stepping up, like the rookie Agbaji, uh, Kelly Olenek now back in there. <clears throat> uh, they're playing great team ball and, you know, averaging 117 in March, giving up 121, which is exactly where this total's at. Um, so 7-0 and to the over, basically, 6-0-1. They've covered in five straight as well. So I don't think they're packing it in for the season. I don't, I don't see this as a tank job, which it looked like a little bit when they started losing to the Spurs, but... Uh, this to me feels a little trappy for the Kings because they've been so great lately. It's continuing on this road trip after, you know, excellent results out East. Uh, but now it's the front end of a back-to-back. They're hosting those Celtics that everybody's getting up for right now, tomorrow night. I don't really see them covering five or six points here if they do get the win. And if it's a close game, it's probably a high scoring game with the Kings you talk about games averaging 239 for the Jazz right now. The Kings are going to juke that because they are the Kings. And we often target them at, say, like, okay, this is a good underspot if they're on the road. But that's usually against the East. It, against the West, they are still going over on the road at a, at a pretty decent clip here. And, and against Utah, I mean, first meeting this season totaled uh, 151. They had a 123 defensive rating. And that's despite the Jazz going, uh, you know, 25% from three, only hitting eight threes. Second meeting in Utah, both teams shot under 30% from three. And we still got to 232, which is an under. But I, I see the Jazz getting 29 free throws and marketing getting 15 of them. And De'Aaron Fox shredding the Jazz defense once again, uh, which he did last year as well, as a real sign that, you know, both of the stars can be out here scoring. 
that is to say, though, I think, yeah, what I like more is, is the Jazz as a value play here in, in, in trying to predict the trap game. Um, it, just because of the spot for the Kings, just plus, you talk about plus five, six, or if you tease it up to for the Jazz not to lose by double digits at home, that arena is still pretty rocking. You know, uh, we saw on Saturday night, we saw what they can do to protecting the rim with Walker Kessler. I mean, yeah. for, for weeks now, um, you know, and they're fourth in paint points allowed right now. Um, scoring on the other side in the paint as well and, and getting good looks from three without Clarkson, the assist rate is way up. So they're getting good looks as a team. And you do like to see that against the Kings team that, um, you know, does not necessarily do anything well defensively. They just outscore you. And they do score in the in the break. So the one thing to look at in March is Utah giving up the most fast break points per game and allowing the most threes per game. That makes you like the Kings offense here. And if they're going to score like 128, I, I got to think Utah's coming along a little bit at home uh, and we are going over. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit scary to take sacks over on the road in these situations. Just... Like you said, it's it's more likely against the West that they're going to go over on this total. It's just, it's two forty one. So even some of these, I think there is a bit of undervaluing the amount of points that Sack can score when they're on the road. If you look at the totals that they've gone over on the road against teams, uh, even in the just focusing on the West, let's just go ahead and bypass that one seventy six one seventy five win real quick uh, against the Clippers in LA uh, because that was absolutely insane. But even, you know, the, the thunder uh, in their next couple games against them on the road, they played, you know, two in a row there uh, and neither of those totals got over two forty. One was two forty, one was two thirty nine. It's going to be right around it. It's not necessarily a lock is all is my, my main thought here. I think without marketing, I know there's still some numbers to say that they go over who did they have in that time, right? Like they lost everybody at this point at the trade deadline. Line, mostly Malik Beasley, they're 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 you know the guy shooting for them this season, super duper well. Um, and then Clarkson having another you know great offensive Clarkson style year, probably his best one. Um, but in, he's out, and and I think that's huge and, and crucial to the numbers as well. Um, I'd be a little bit more scared because of because of Clarkson being out if Markkinen doesn't play, and then just you know even sack on the road. I, I mean I don't want to just make that proclamation that oh but because you know they're on the road right now it's it's just going to be a little bit different. Um, but I, I think that be, because of the fact that like. You combine the lack of offense that you're going to get from the Jazz on the outside and on the perimeter without Clarkson, and especially if Markkinen doesn't play. I know they've been getting a lot of points from the paint, have the Jazz, because they've been playing a lot better down low because they inserted Walker Kessler into the lineup. Um, and he's actually the reason that I wasn't excited to be able to just pull the trigger on a Domas over who, who's been crushing the Jazz this season because Walker Kessler wasn't really getting as much time when they played these these two teams played earlier in the year. Um, and and now that that's the case, I think there's a lot more of a, of a case to be made for Domas, you know, failing to score um, 21 points tonight. His, his rebound prop 12 and a half also scares me a little bit more, even though I think he's capable of it more. So maybe um, Walker Kessler has just been in there, you know, limiting uh, opponents points in the paint, limiting uh, opponent rebounds as well, especially to centers where they used to be the worst. Uh, again, that was the position they were the worst against. Um, and then, you know, 
boom, you put uh, Blocker Kessler into the lineup and they they rise all the way to like top three or four in most categories, defending opposing centers, including assists. And we know that's what, uh, you know, the, 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 the Kings offense is going to revolve around, especially in the half court. It's a lot of high post handoff uh, and giving him options for cutters. So I, I, we'll see if, if, if Kessler can handle that. I, I think he can. He's gotten 25 minutes uh, against Domas so far and did a decent job the second time, at least better than the first time where Domas just went off. So I, I think that's a huge part of what, how like if you stimmy that then you stimmy the half court offense and they got to get back on defense and, and you mentioned that if they don't then then yeah you know who knows what's going to happen in this one um but once again if marketing doesn't play I'm, I'm not really gonna buy into what they've done without him when they had a better better supporting cast around him prior to this game and um you know that's that's really what i'm staying on tonight is if he doesn't play i do like a bit of an under and i might even consider sack at minus five at that point no that's totally fair i'm not saying that just because you know those Games without marketing, some of them are, are months ago, like you said, yeah. before the deadline. Um, and I would, yeah, I would bail off this for sure. If uh, bail off the over, probably without marketing. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, the Kings offense is just fierce right now. And that's, I mean, that's obviously the best in the league. They're obviously hitting an incredible amount of threes. They just shot 60% in Washington, got 22 threes and hit 250 total despite playing at a 96 pace. And these teams, when they get together, are probably going to be playing closer to 100 pace, yeah. maybe 101, which is what um, the Kings have actually been playing their last seven roadies here. Uh, five of those have gotten to at least 239. So if it's, you know, that's a competitive total where it, where it opened. Yeah. But like I said, it's about the average for a, a Jazz game right now. Um, the Jazz have some interesting home road splits in that they've been lower scoring, better defensively at home, Late probably night. since the Walker Kessler experiment yeah. started. But on the season, they're still scoring more and allowing uh, you know higher free throws at home. Uh, still struggling to guard the three point line, and yeah, the Kings again with Malik Monk and Terrence Davis just flamethrowers off the bench right now. Even if Sabonis isn't getting it going down low, he's just on such a heater getting those guys open. Uh, the Jazz cannot guard Fox, as I said, 37 points, only missed seven shots last time he faced them. And and the Kings just don't guard anybody. I mean, they're, they're 28th in defensive rating during this this hot streak here. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, usually you're leaning over. It's just you need to confirm that the Jazz have their number one offensive player here. Yeah, they're, they're all-star, the finisher uh, Laurie Markin and I agree. I, I, yeah, it's interesting to see these numbers over the course of the last like 15 games for Utah and how at home um, they are. They're down to about 114 a game, and it's it's unsurprised. It's unsurprised. Right? You, you you get rid of everybody, um, and that's what's going to happen essentially. And, and obviously, they're not even playing other guys nearly as much like some of the vets that they were. Guys like Kelly Olynyk not getting the minutes anymore. Not that he's a world beater, but he's an NBA vet that can score from you know multiple positions on the floor, and, and they're not putting that out there anymore. And the offense is struggling as a result. So I kind of continue to talk myself into and under the more and more we talk about this um obviously if larry marketing comes in and does something superhuman then i can see 241 242 um, but if he doesn't I, I still think the odds are even if he is playing there's a pretty good chance for the under here so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust 
Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA play a prop for tonight. Yeah, is this the night that the Warriors actually win a road game against a Houston team that's on a back-to-back and has the worst record in their conference? Probably. They are minus 10 here, but a blowout is not not something you're as worried about when you take a Steph Curry prop these days on the road uh, because every game has been relatively close. I mean, they're giving up 129, the Warriors, in six roadies since he came back. So that's why he's had to average 32 points, five and a half assists, and nearly six threes per game in trying to get those wins. Um, And that includes two at Memphis, which guards him very well. Didn't let him get many threes up. He went seven for 16 in those two. So you take the... The numbers for the other ones from three, and he's obviously just lighting up teams. And Houston, not really able to guard any point guards uh, over their last 30. They're giving up the most points to the position. Over the last 15, giving up the most threes to the position. Uh, also, when they're on a back-to-back, they give up 121 points. They give up 28 assists. They give up 16 threes in that situation. So that is all before I gave you Steph's numbers against Houston, which are unsurprisingly amazing. 34 points. 11.3 assists and seven and a half threes at nearly 50% in his last three against the Rockets. Two of them were in Houston. Uh, the la- And then the one before that in Houston back in 2021, also 30 points, also seven threes. I would go with four and a half threes as the preferred prop here. It's nearly even money at FanDuel for him to hit five. Like I said, he's averaging six on the road right now. That's something he could hit even if Houston does lay down here on a back-to-back. Uh, but 34 and a half points in assists at minus 110 is more of a bet on this somehow being close again. Houston has somehow beaten three, you know, playoff contending teams in a row and the Warriors cannot beat anybody on the road. I, I don't know the last time, I guess it was against OKC like a month and a half ago that they actually won on the road. So, uh, I have no problem taking Steph to score about 30 and, and hand out some dimes as well. Yeah, uh, full disclaimer, and and I tweeted this last night, like, they should not be favored by 10 against literally anybody on the road right now. They're the Detroit Pistons. They have the same record on the road as the Detroit Pistons. Would you favor the Detroit Pistons by 10 on the road against the Rockets? No, you wouldn't, um, because the Rockets are a a bottom three team in the league. And when I say you wouldn't favor them against anybody, this is what I mean, because like I said, this is is anybody. This is the Houston Rockets. So um, that said, like, Steph, Steph, Steph is, has been doing him. They just lost when he had a 50 point game, which is the second time that's freaking happened in his career, um, which is insane because they just, that's how bad they've been around him in that season without right when they lost KD and this season. So like whatever happens with the Warriors is irrelevant to how well Steph is going to play. Their problems are just way outside of number 30 right now. So uh, a guy that we have come to love, I mean, you already know he's my favorite Nick of all time, but also for player props has been super hot lately. And Jalen Brunson is back for the Knicks. 24 and a half points is his prop. I'd like over that. We both do minus 111 on FanDuel. Uh, I do consider 
the assists here as well. In fact, I started to like those more when I saw those odds at plus 104 on FanDuel for him to get six assists tonight uh, against this Minnesota Timberwolves team, which I believe is, An- is Anthony Edwards officially out tonight, or is he still listed as questionable? Yeah, yeah, he's out about a week, I think. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would have liked to take that eight and a half. I didn't see fully that he was out for that whole time last night when I was looking at these games specifically. But um, either way, even if he's not in there, like I like the Knicks in this one. I like them to be able to score. I like Jalen to get his. The, the the Timberwolves, you know, a good starting place is that they're just allowing a ton of points. Two point guards on the season, fifth most on the season. That has stayed around the same number once you get Mike Conley in there as well for the past month. Um, that's not going to help out that offense. Love you, Mike, uh, but just not there anymore for him on D. Um, his welcome back game against Denver, big, big win for the boys on a Saturday, 116-110 for them. 24 points in that game when he came back, um, five assists as well. And then you look at his last four overall, 27 a game with a 150 offensive rating. And that even includes the uh, the 19 points he had in 19 minutes before leaving at sack, which obviously he keeps his rating up high because he only played the 19 minutes. Um, but, I mean, come on, man. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, he was on, on pace to continue getting some some buckets that game. They ended up losing because they lost Jalen. But nine home games that he's played since the beginning of February, 31 a game, five and a half assists. That's with the 29% usage. The only thing about the assists is like, if this game is, if they need him to get a bucket at the end, then he's going to get a bucket. But like, are they really going to need him to get a bucket or is he going to have the free flowing ability to also get assists? Like you can take both, I think, and feel pretty good about it. Um, like I said, I feel pretty good about the assist because I don't know that he feels that need to, to make sure he gets it in the bucket when they're playing in a game. That's not going to have that rough of a, of a go on it at the same time. Like I know he's going to love to score from the mid range in this one. If, if Rudy does play um, and even if he doesn't, if Nas Reed plays, he might not either, either way, there might not be much in the lane. His floor game is going to be available. His pull-up game is going to be available. Um, I, I I do like the points. Uh, I like his ability to get to the free throw line. He gets to the, the he gets there four more times uh, in his last six roadies than he has on the season. He's been averaging like a lot more, a big uptick in those free throws because, like I said, he can get to the rim if, if there's no uh, Rudy Gobert there. And even if Nas Reed is there, not quite the same shot blocker. So I, I, I think this is a good opportunity to, to pick Jalen against a team that like all season long has just been, you know, allowing teams to score from that exact position. Yeah, everybody's questionable for Minnesota, as always, like you said, Gobert, Nas Reed, other wings as well. Uh, and they're just reeling right now. I mean, they did just give up 49 to De- to Ma- mid-range master DeMar DeRozan, right? Uh, so here comes Jalen Brunson, and here comes DeMar DeRozan for my, my second pick at 23.5 points, even money at DraftKings. He's averaging, you know, he's back to like the MVP DeRozan we saw last year a little bit. 33 points, seven rebounds, five and a half assists on a 28% usage rate in his last four, playing 43 minutes to pull the Bulls into this play-in race. Even after playing 52 in double overtime, he played 41 the next night and gave you 24 points and 10 assists. So hitting this prop consistently, he hits it consistently when he gets at least one day rest. You look at on a back-to-back, he averages 23 on at least one day rest, 26 and a half. His usage rate goes up four percentage points to 28.8% when he gets that one day of rest. Uh, and we talked about that weird game against the Embiidless Sixers where the Bulls won, snapping a 13-game skid against them. Previous five for DeRozan since he joined the Bulls, and the, I mean, all losses to the Sixers, but he averaged 31 points on 53% shooting and 30% usage rate. Uh, so he is the guy who's going to try to keep them in it. I talk about the Sixers being a real half-court heavy team because they're so bad defending the break in transition. Uh, They're playing at like a 92 pace at home. 
So I expect this one to be close. I expect DeRozan to be operating in the half court a lot um, and, and scoring. And he has been a little bit better on the road versus at home as well. But it's really just a case of like his props are down because he had a rough go for a while in February. But now he seems to be scoring at will. Yeah, I, I, I liked him in this one as well. I, I also mentioned in the game video that like Zach Levine is ripe for another opportunity to score a ton of points off of them. But I also like points in this game. So like, yeah, give me some overs. Um, and, and Zach Levine, if he comes to play again as well, including that 41 piece that he put up on the Philly earlier this year. Um, yeah, shoot. Like, why, why not? Like, why, why would this game not go over at that point? So, I, yeah, let's get some points from both these guys because I like Levine and, and I do like DeRozan as well. I think he's gonna be able to get his in the in the uh, uh, part of the floor that uh, Philly definitely struggles against a bit more in terms of that mid range, more so than they do in the paint and the three point line, at least uh, in the past, like, you know, month or so. So um, let's finish things off here with uh, insert Indiana Pacer player. Now, I, I will say we don't have TJ McConnell. McConnell, TJ McConnell props um, like we would like to have tonight. We know he's going to have a, a big impact based on Tyrese Halliburton not playing. His his stat line should be improved from what it is on the season. As we know, when he does not have uh, Baby in this year, we're talking about six points per game in 18 minutes with Halliburton versus 14 a game in 29 without him doubles more than doubles everything does because he's you know he's getting minutes he's getting five assists a game in that sense his last eight without Halliburton 14 points a game and nine assists per game as in those last eight that he's played as a starter um and yes Charlotte you know they're bad on defense they're giving up the third most paint points in the paint but I do want to throw out there that we have Andrew uh Nemhard stats at this point and Nemhard is obviously another person who basically doubles his output when Tyrese Halliburton is not out there he goes from three assists to six assists seven points to 13 and a half points um and his prop right now is at 14 and a half and if you look at his last uh five games on the season right now for Nembard, he's averaging 19 uh and he's getting 32 minutes a game he's getting five assists and two boards they've clearly said we're tank we're not i mean tanking i'm sorry we don't use that word on the show we're not worried about winning the rest of these games this season tyrese halliburton maybe he could i mean if tyrese halliburton if the pacers were in a, a run down the stretch to, for a legitimate playoff spot do you think tyrese halliburton would be sitting tonight no so the point is is like they're allowing Nembard to come in get his usage that's been around 26 percent uh, in the last five or so uh, with about 15 shot attempts a game. And that includes 14 points on just seven shots uh, in that bl- in that domination uh, of Houston uh, where he had 14 points uh, because he only played 26 minutes because of that blowout. Uh, Charlotte, I mean, they're not great, but I don't think they're quite as bad as, as Houston right now. And their defense has been a little bit more formidable to at least be able to keep them in this game. Um, but Nemhard coming from that shooting posi- guard position, I like him. I-, I do like McConnell. And I even you know would consider taking Neesmith as well from that power forward spot which is a place that the Hornets have been vulnerable as well which, which is down low and against the front court yeah I mean in addition to Halliburton you, right you said Benny Matz Duarte Isaiah Jackson all might not play yeah uh, so the Pacers yeah they're just trying to get a look at their young guys they're not necessarily tanking they just don't you know and didn't they beat the Bucks without Halliburton as well yeah. because mostly because of TJ McConnell's uh incredible effort on both ends yeah I would like to yeah. see where his like steals are at against the Hornets team that is just abysmal right now on offense without LaMelo. Uh, I would take his steals, but I think Nemhart, yeah, is the guy in terms of points uh, that yeah. he's going to see a big elevation in usage as a ball handler and a scorer. 
yeah, been shooting the lights out as well from three uh, as of late in his last five, shooting 46% from deep. Uh, I believe he had six the other night. And yeah, and then uh, you talk about McConnell. Yeah, I just, I love the ability for him to be able to do that. That win against Milwaukee was bananas. But yeah, a lot of guys not playing. So there's plenty of opportunity for all these guys on the Pacers tonight to, to get some numbers. And that is all the time that we have for you in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Check out the game videos we have up for you tonight as well. Until we see you yeah, next, happy betting. <laughs>